Welcome to a brand new episode, Morning Devotion. We will be looking through the Bible every morning. Today's special guest on your favorite podcast is Reverend Dozy Maname, a pastor, father, and an evangelist who loves the Lord deeply. In this episode, you are going to learn how to begin your day with Jesus through His Word. Today's morning devotion is from Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2. And we're going to look at this passage verse by verse. Verse 1 to 3 says, Why do the nation rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. So the question here is, why do the nations rage? Why do the nations rage? The psalmist seems genuinely mystified in this contest. The nations have no reason to rage against God. And they have no benefit in raging against him. Because their opposition against God is nothing but a vain thing. A vain thing. That is what this passage says. Then verse 2 says, the rulers take counsel together. Remember, since the time of Tower of Babel, in Genesis chapter 11, Men have continued to bound themselves together against God. Their mistaken belief is that two or more men united against God have a better chance than one man set against God. So in verse 2 again, the psalmist says, against the Lord and against his anointed. So they oppose both the Lord and his anointed. So the question here, the second question here is, who is the anointed? Who is the anointed? The anointed in this passage speaks of the Christ, our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Since Jesus is the perfect representation of the father according to john chapter 10 verse 30 and john chapter 14 verse 9 opposing god the father is to oppose jesus in other words if you are against jesus you are against god the father then verse 3 says let us break their bonds in pieces those who oppose the Lord and his anointed think of God as a bondage bringer. This attitude is evidence of spiritual insanity, isn't it? It's evidence of spiritual insanity. However, God is a bondage breaker, not a bondage bringer. Then verse 4 to 6 says, He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. 
Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Hallelujah. Verse 4 says, He who sits in the heaven shall laugh. God looks at the way man plots against him and he laughs. God isn't afraid or confused or depressed about the opposition of man. God laughs at it. God laughs because he sits in the heavens. He sits as the great king on a glorious throne. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. He isn't panicking back and forth in the throne room of heaven, wondering what he should do next. Rather, God sits in perfect peace and assurance. Hallelujah. God laughs because he sits in the heavens and controls everything. So what does heaven have to fear from earth? What does heaven have to fear from earth? God does not tremble. He does not even rise from where he is sitting. He simply laughs at this great emphasis. He laughs. This laughter of God is the comfort of all those who love righteousness. It is the laughter of the might of holiness. It is the laughter of the strength of love. The passage goes on to say that the Lord shall hold them in derision. Through the centuries, many have opposed God and his kingdom in Jesus Christ. Each one of these opponents shall be frustrated and crushed. A famous example of an opponent of Christianity was the Roman Emperor Diocletian, who reigned in AD 284-305. He was such a determined enemy of Christians that he persecuted the church mercilessly and fancied that he had defeated Christianity. He ordered the making of murder with these inscriptions, the name of Christianity being extinguished. Diocletian also set up two monuments on the frontier of his empire with these inscriptions, saying, All hell to Diocletian for having extended the Roman Empire in the East and the West, and for having extinguished the name of Christians who brought the Republic to destroy. All hell to Diocletian for having everywhere abolished the superstition of Christ, for having extended the worship of the gods. The gods here is small g, gods. Today, Diocletian is dead and gone. 
Nobody is talking about him. It is a history. However, the fame and glory of our Lord Jesus Christ is all over the entire world, today and forever. Jesus reigned forever and ever. The passage says, The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then verse 5 says, He shall speak to them in his wrath. God laughs in heaven, but he does not remain inactive. He laughs, but he doesn't only laugh. Before he acts against any mankind, he first speaks to rebellious humanity. This shows the great mercy of God. He has every reason and every right to simply act against any mankind. However, love and mercy compare God to speak a word of warning before he acts. Then verse 6 says, I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. God wants mankind to know that he has established a king. The men closest in view in the psalm are kings and rulers. And God especially wants them to know there is a king greater than they are. God's king is established and established in Jerusalem, which is Zion. Hallelujah. Then verse 7 to 9 says, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possessions. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. The passage indicates that this is the Lord's anointed himself. Speaking, he will declare the decree. That's what Jesus said. He will declare the decree that God the Father spoke to him. The verse says, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. The Lord's anointed recalls what God the Father spoke to him, identifying him as the son of the Father and emphasizing his standing as begotten of the Father. The writer to the Hebrews quotes this passage in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 5 as evidence of the deity of Jesus and superiority to all angels. He mentions the more excellent name, Jesus, received greater than all the angels. This is the name, Son. Why angels are sometimes called the sons of God in a generic sense, like in Job chapter 1 verse 6. The father never said my son to any angel in a specific sense. That is reserved for God the son, the second person of the Trinity. 
So begotten here also is an important idea as a contrast to created. Jesus was not created. Rather, he created everything that was created. Hallelujah. Begotten here describes a relationship between two beings of the same essential nature and being. But we create things of a different essential being and nature than ourselves. For example, a man creates a stature. But God created human beings. A man creates a statue, but begats a child. Do you get the connection from this passage? Jesus was not created, but we humans are created by God. The passage goes on to say, I will give you the nations for your inheritance. The Lord's anointed holds the nation as his inheritance. He will rule over all nations, and all judgment is committed to him. Revelation chapter 11 verse 15 describes this inheritance, saying, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. The next verse says, You shall break them with a rod of iron. The Lord's anointing has such power over the nations that they are like clay pots that he can shatter with a blow from a rod of iron. This shows why it is so foolish for the nations to defy the Lord. And is anointed. Then finally in verse 10 to 11 it says. Now therefore be wise. O king. Be instructed. You judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. And rejoice. With trembling. Kiss the son. Lest he be angry. And you perish. In the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are those who put their trust in him. From this passage, we could see that after the words of warning from the Lord's anointed, the psalmist counseled the kings of the earth to give up their foolish fight against the Lord. But they should serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. The psalmist calls the kings of the earth to surrender to God, giving him proper reverence. Hallelujah. And kiss the son in this passage means submission. God wants us to recognize our proper place before him, but to also rejoice in him and be affectionate in our relationship. So what can we take from this passage today? What can we take from this passage today? Number one, God wants us to be humble 
and worship him as the king of your life. Your king. As your personal king. As your personal Lord and Savior. Don't put a fight with God. Because you will never win. See him as your king. Then number two, remember that this passage is not only for the kings and judges of the Bible time. But for all of us here today. It's for all of us. And it says, blessed are those who put their trust in him. Those who defy God are broken. But those who depend on him are blessed. My brothers and sisters, the choice is yours. Have a blessed day. Bye. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure to leave a review. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Also, follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. Hit the subscribe now and don't miss the next episode.